sometimes I don't. I sing the song, but yet I don't know if I believe it. Because if I did believe it, then I would live my life differently. I wouldn't be worried. I wouldn't be defeated. And I wouldn't try to get Try to get that love or that, that hole filled by something else. God, today you are enough. May we believe it, not just sing it. Not just be moved because the, the great music behind us. God, may we be moved by the truth by the words that we sing. God, may we live like you truly are enough because you are. You're enough in the disappointments. You're enough in our failures. You're enough for our children. You're enough for the jobs, the situation and our financial problems. You're enough for our health. You are enough. God, may we look to you May we look to you and see the strength of who you are, the firm foundation, the mighty tower, the rock that will never fail. You are more than enough for us. So God, today as we, we continue in the service, as we continue to look at your word, Lord Jesus, God, I pray that we would let go of the burdens that have distracted us so far. God, I pray that you, we would place them in your hands, your capable hands. Lord, we, we place our loneliness, our sickness, our financial problems, our relationship problems. God, the things that just distract us from you. God, we put them in your hands. We ask that you would hold on to them. We ask that you would take care of them. Open our ears that we would hear. Open our hearts that we would do what you've asked us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. You may have a seat. Thank you. Worship team, thank you so much. Happy Mother's Day to all of you who are here. If you're a mother and if you're not a mother, then you can say happy, I can say happy Mother's Day because you came from a mother. We'll do it that way. How about that? But we're glad that you're here regardless, and we hope that you feel welcome. We hope that you feel encouraged, but mostly we hope that you feel like you've met with God because that is the most important thing. It really makes no difference. I mean, I know it makes a difference, but it's important that we welcome you and you, f- you feel friendly, and, but it's most important that you have, are changed by the Lord. You prepare for months, planning and thinking about the day your child will come. You make it through the delivery somehow. You're not really sure how. And the, the dads are definitely not sure how they made it through. They made it through. I mean, they don't really care about it. if you made it through. They care about whether or not how they made it. I remember our first Boston. Shane, actually, he, uh, we were in the delivery room. And the, all of a sudden, the, I think it was the nurse looks at him and says, I think you should sit down. And he's like, oh, no, no, I'm fine. And I look at him, I'm like, you better sit down, because these people are here for me, not you. <laughs> so he was going to th- pass out. But he made it through. Four later, we're still okay. No, he didn't. He almost did. Because he sat down. He listened to his wife. Good boy. <laughs> You try to make the right choices. You know, that's really after the delivery. You think that that's the hardest part is the delivery. And if, you are, if you're a mom for more than an hour, a minute, you realize that really isn't the hardest part, which is crazy to think about. Because you try to make the right choices. You question your abilities. You wonder if it's going to work out. Being a mother is just one of those things that you truly never master. Because once you think you've got it, they change on you. Or you have another one, and it's totally different. And, well, you don't know what to do anymore. And then it's really one of those things that's also very frustrating because you truly don't know whether or not you've done a good job until they've grown up, and by then it's too late. So it's one of those things that's hard for moms. We look at blogs, we, we ask mothers, we read books, all in the hopes of doing it right. I was thinking about this while I was speaking or trying to get ready to speak, and, and uh, I thought, you know, how many times do I actually look in the Bible to get some wisdom about how to be a mom? So I googled mothers of the Bible, and there was thankfully quite a big list, and so I could choose some for you to talk about today. So we're going to jump around the Bible. So if you don't have your Bible, I wasn't really prepared. I didn't have it... Uh, to the PowerPoint people in time, so you're going to have to use your Bible, the actual paper or whatever you use, and so you're going to have to be fast. So the first mom we're going to look at is Jacobed. Now, who knows whose son that, or whose, uh, I just gave you a hint, it was a son, obviously. Who, what was, uh, whose mother was she? There, I said it right. Moses, very good. Yes, it was Moses. So we're going to look in Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2, 1 to 4. Exodus is in the Old Testament. 
Genesis, Exodus. I've already written it down, so that's why I don't have to look in my Bible. But you should look to make sure I'm actually reading it from the Bible. Exodus chapter 2, 1 to 4 says, Now a man of the house of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Most of us probably most likely know the story of Moses. He was born in a time of slavery in Egypt. Pharaoh had had been nervous about the growing population of the Israelites, so he just ordered that all babies needed to be thrown into the River Nile because the people of Israel were too many. So Jacob's mother, Moses' mother, sorry, not Jacob's mother, Moses' mother, Jacob, saw the baby boy she had and thought, oh, this is a beautiful child. This is a great-looking child. I mean, what mother wouldn't think this? That I find very ironic because no mother looks at their baby and says, oh, what an ugly child. So, of course, she finds this child wonderful. But she does something different. Because I bet you lots of other mothers uh, in, at the time thought their children were also wonderful. But she decided because he was so wonderful, she was going to hide him. And it, I read it and I was like, how do you hide a baby? If you've ever heard a baby, how do you hide a baby? And chances were good. I mean, I mean, she probably kept the child, probably, she probably never ever went outside for the three months. And she probably kept the child in a special quarters. Perhaps she, you know, perhaps she thought she pretended that it was a girl. I don't know how she did it. That alone is amazing. She hid him, though, until she could no longer hide Moses. And then Jacobed made this boat and put the child in it and put the boat in the Nile River. Pharaoh's daughter then, of course, finds the baby, decides to keep him, and Jacobed actually gets to nurse her child until he was weaned, which was probably most likely around two years old. And then, so first she gives him up, and then at two, she has to give him up again. And she lets go of the child and hands, and hands him, her, him over to an Egyptian to the enemy. And Jacobin, you look at her and you think, How, what can I learn from her life? She had a faith in God. She believed that her child was special. She hid the child. She made the boat. She let it go. And she thought as she was letting it go, I mean, I don't know how she could do that. She's, you know, this baby's three months old and she's putting it in the boat and saying, there you go. But she had faith in God to believe that he was going to be okay. Mark eleven twenty two says, have faith in God. Jesus answered, truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes what they will say will happen for them, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Jacobin had faith in God. Hebrews eleven six says, without faith it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God is trustworthy. You know, we sang it even before I got up to speak, that Christ is enough. He, if we diligently seek him, we can have confidence knowing that he will do what's best for us. And he will help us through whatever comes our way. 
Jacobin believed in God. She believed he could be trusted. She believed in the one who not only had a plan for her life, but also had a plan for this child's life since the beginning of the world. Having faith in God doesn't mean that everything's going to turn out the way we want it. You know, I'm sure she really didn't want to put that baby in the basket. I'm sure she didn't really want to give that baby back at two. Disappointment will come, but we have been called to be trustworthy regardless, or sorry, to trust in God regardless of being disappointed by the hurts we may have experienced. Do we have this kind of faith? When our child struggles with sin, do we have the faith to believe that God is in control and that God will help that child? When our child has an illness, do we place that child in his hands or do we worry and do we fear? When things go wrong at work, do we strive, do we try to find and struggle through trying to find the solutions or do we first put our faith in God and say, here you go, here's the burden I have, please give me the solution. Do we put our struggling marriages or our relationships in his hand and believe that God will bring healing and peace, believe that he knows what is best for us? We need to have this kind of faith that this mother had. We need to be able to place the precious things that we hold so dear, those, those issues, those problems we, hold, we have, we need to be able to place them in God's hand. Jacobet had faith in God, faith that he would do what was right for her, faith that he would do what is right for that baby. And we need to have that kind of faith. Too often as believers, we, you know, we have that head knowledge. We know, oh yes, Chris is in control. And it's so easy to say, yes, he's enough for me. But do we really believe it when the rubber meets the road? You know, we, we were driving, and I, I know Pastor Shane, I know he'd already mentioned this, but we were driving home from our vacation, and our tire, our tire pops. And it's a Friday night, and on the, some interstate in the States, which already I'm freaking out because I am very nervous when I leave the country. <laughs> and so I'm like, we're, we're getting it, and we're like, we're babying it, and we finally make it, and I'm standing out, and the kids are in the car, and of course they're freaking, they're not freaking, they're just screaming and hitting each other, and Shane's gone to try to find somebody, and I'm just standing there looking at the tire, and I just... I thought, this is like such an opportunity for the Lord. So we just we prayed, and I took a picture of that flat tire. And it was amazing how God brought it together. He, you know, he had some tire place open uh, Friday night at 11 in the middle of nowhere in South Carolina, which I can't believe that a mechanic would be open that late. And then... Um, some guy, I don't even know, this trucker took two hours from his time to go and get the, the tire and put it on for us, which, of course, he had to put it on because we don't really know what we're doing. And uh, he just did it. And I look, and we get in the car, and we're like, like, I still can't believe how God took care of it. But the first thought in our minds was, oh, my goodness, what are we going to do? And we need to have this kind of faith that says no matter what's going to happen, we will have faith to know that God is going to take care of us. He is going to see us through, and he's not going to let us down. Too often as believers, we have some kind of head knowledge that Christ is in control, but we need a belief that actually goes into our action. We need a belief that will actually show our children that, 
you know, what we actually say with our mouth is really true, and we do believe that God is going to take care of us. We, we need to, you know, we, don't, we try to fix our problems by reading one more book or asking one more question. And hear me, those are not bad things. Going to the doctor, doing all those things, having, getting advice and going to see a counselor, those are important things. I'm not knocking that. But we need to stand by faith. Romans 8.28 says, We know that in all things God works for the good for those who love him, who have been called to his purposes. And Jacobet had that kind of faith. She hid that baby until she could no longer hide it, and then she put that baby in God's hands and said, Here you go. The second mother I want to look at is Hannah. If you could look, turn in 1 Samuel, and again, there's a hint. Whose son might she have? Hannah, Samuel. That's right. 1 Samuel 1, chapter 1, verse 1 to 18. There was a certain man from Ramathith, a Zertite, from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Alkin, son of Jerotham, the son of Elu. We'll go on and on. Basically, number two. He had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Peniah. Peniah had children, but you shouldn't skip over that. I'm just skipping over so you don't fall asleep on me. You should read it and find out who those names are and what they mean. But he had two wives. One was called Hannah, the other Peniah. Peniah had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophtha and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Alcana to sacrifice, he would give portions of meat to his wife Peniah and all her sons and daughters. But Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her and because the Lord had closed her womb. And because the Lord had closed her womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. And whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her until she wept and would not eat. Alcana, her husband, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? This was a dumb move on his part. Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the chair by the doorpost of the Lord's temple. In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. And she made a vow saying, O Lord Almighty, if you will only look upon your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him back to you for all the days of his life. No razor will ever be used on his head. This is basically a a Nazarite vow. Verse 12, and she kept on praying to the Lord and Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. And Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long are you going to keep on getting drunk? Get rid of your wine. Not so, my lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman, for I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Verse 17, So Eli answered, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant whatever you have asked of him. And so here, Hannah not only had faith in her creator, but she also prayed to her provider. And we need to pray. You know, Hannah spent many years barren, childless, which in the Israelite culture was seen as a curse. And we're told that God actually closed her womb. Hannah and her husband, Elkanah, along with his other wife, Peniah, which is really probably the problem, right? There's two wives there, but... That's a different topic. <laughs> uh, the, the wife came each year, probably most likely during the Passover, to perform their yearly sacrifices. 
Finally, one year, she's had enough of the other wife making fun of her, and she brought her request to the Lord. She prayed. She prayed, and we are told that this prayer came from the depths of within her. And she was so intent on praying that Eli actually misunderstood and accused her of being drunk because no sound was coming from her mouth, only her lips were moving. You know, we can find lots of passages within the Bible to tell us that how we are to bring our burdens to the Lord. Prayer brings us life, it brings us focus, and it brings us reassurance and peace, and it brings us answers. First Chronicles 16.11 says, Seek the Lord in his strength, seek his face continually. Psalm 145.18 says, The Lord is near to all of them that call on him, so to all that call on him the truth. Proverbs 15.29 says, The Lord is far from the wicked, and he hears the prayer of the righteous. We're reminded time and time again throughout Scripture that we need to seek God's face. We need to be still. We need to know God. And do we do that? Are we like Hannah? Do we bring our requests to the Lord, or do we try to fix them first? Do we constantly bring our worries to the Savior, the one who can make a difference? Or do we take the issues and we hold on tight and we do what the world says, figure out what to do? I'm a blog follower. I've announced it there. I've admitted it, and now I can get help. Right now, if I were honest, I I do read too many blogs. I don't think I would be exaggerating to, to say that I probably have five different blogs waiting in my inbox, and that's probably being very modest. I just can't help it. I, I read it, and I think, oh, I'll follow that person. I find them helpful sometimes. I, you know, I, I find it interesting to know how what somebody did, how that person did it, or how that person made something. I also find it a huge waste of time. I could spend my, my hours just surfing the net looking for an answer instead of praying to the one who has the answers. The one who knows me, who actually knows me. The one who knows the situation. If only I would seek God first. If we truly believe that God is all we need, then why don't we go to him? Why don't I? We need to ask him for wisdom. James 1.5 says, but if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives it generously, without reproach, meaning he doesn't look down on you because you don't know the answer. He gives it to you willingly and generously, and he will give it, and it will be given to him, but he must ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. So we, we need to be like Hannah. We need to pray. The third mother we're going to look at is Mary. Now, hopefully, this is an easy one. Mary. Jesus. Suzanne's the only one listening in my class. Good job. (laughs) Mary, the earthly mother of Jesus. Now, hopefully, again, we know this story. And if not, look it up in Luke. Mary was probably around 14 years of age when she became engaged to Joseph. The angel shows up tells her she's pregnant with the child of God. Luke 1, 26 to 38. Luke 1, 26 to 38 says, in the sixth month, God sent the angel of Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. And the angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered, what kind of greeting could this be? Skip to verse 31. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Verse 34 says, 
How can this be? Mary asked. The angel, since I'm still a virgin. And the angel tells her how it's going to happen. And then in verse 38, Mary replies, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Mary said yes to the Lord. If we're going to be history changers, if we're going to make a difference in our children, in our workplace, then we need to say yes to the Lord. We need to be willing vessels to go wherever he wants us to go. We need to be able to do what he is asking us to do, even if it's scary. We need to, we often enjoy the fact that we can go to God and we can ask him for things. We like that idea about God, don't we? That he'll help us out when trouble comes. But saying yes to something, that's totally different. We actually have to go and step out. But Romans 9.20 says, But who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to the one who, is, who formed it? Why did you make me like this? God had Mary do something which was super crazy, which was really even a little bit awkward if you think about it. I mean, not only was this, this girl going to have a baby, she was, but she was going to have a baby and she was married. This, wasn't, this was going to cause some serious issues in their marriage. It was going to cause some serious issues in their family life forever. Rumors would always surround their marriage. Stigmas would always follow them. And yet she was willing to say yes. So what is the Lord asking you? Is he asking me to give up some blogs? Yes, he is. Next week I will. I'll tell you how many I cut out. Is he asking you to give up a TV show? Maybe he's asking you to end a relationship that's not healthy. Maybe it's to go and speak to a coworker. Maybe it's to forgive a relative or a friend. Maybe it's to give more towards missions. What is the Lord asking of you? Are you willing to be like Mary and say, yes, Lord, whatever you want, regardless of the cost, regardless of what it'll mean for me? God is looking for those who are willing to say yes. He's looking for those who are willing to say, here I am. And when you say that, amazing things will take place. Elizabeth is going to be next on the list, and we're almost done. But do you know who she is the mother of? John the Baptist. Your Sunday school teachers would be so proud of you all. Elizabeth was Mary's older cousin. Elizabeth and Zechariah, her husband, never had any children. He was a priest. You can read about their story also in Luke 1. Luke 1, 5 to 7 says, In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of the God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well along in years. Elizabeth was old. She had no kids. And I've already mentioned how in the ancient cultures this was thought to be a curse. This was thought to be because of their sin. However, Luke makes it clear that both Zechariah and Elizabeth were blameless. Why did he say that? Because he didn't want you to think it was their problem that they didn't have kids. See, they did everything right. Elizabeth 
did all that she was supposed to be, do as a godly woman. Zachariah did everything he was supposed to do as a priest, and yet they still didn't have any children. Elizabeth could have really been bitter, but she wasn't. She was faithful. She was true. She kept going. You know what? It didn't matter to her that it was disappointing. It didn't matter that her life was a disappointment. And that's what people would have thought. It's not like today, the same way. They would have thought that, that if, because she had no kids that she must be so miserable and, and her life was disappointing. But she kept going. She remained true to her God. She remained true to the Creator, trusting in the, that His ways are higher and that His plans are more perfect than hers. She didn't complain. She didn't blame God. She, just, she didn't say, well, God, why didn't I get a child? I did everything right. I did what I was supposed to do. No, she just kept serving her, her Savior. She just kept serving her God. Isaiah 55, 9 says, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. We don't always get the plan. We don't always know why. We don't always uh, know why he's doing what he's doing. We just have to be willing to be faithful. We have to be willing to keep the faith. You know, it would have been really easy for Elizabeth to get mad at God because she didn't have a child. She could have truly told him off. And she, she had a right. She did everything she was supposed to do. She could have told God how she had kept the Ten Commandments all her life, how she always sacrificed the choicest animal at the proper time, never once missing her obligations. She had remained faithful to her husband. She had supported him, doing whatever he required of her. He had done, she had done everything right, and yet God still had not blessed her with a child. That can be like us today, can it? We can do everything right. We can have faith. We can pray. We can say yes. And still things don't go the way we think they should. Sometimes we lose our jobs. Sometimes we're falsely accused. Sometimes our children rebel or they walk away. Still we struggle, we fail. Our problems are the same. In fact, sometimes things can even get worse. And yet God is wanting us to be faithful. We need to keep going. We can't get discouraged thinking we deserve more. I heard this story recently of a woman who wanted to swim the English Channel. And so she, she got this boat to follow her, and she was swimming it, and swimming it, and she was going well. And then all of a sudden, this thick English fog sets in, so thick that she couldn't see where she was going. And she didn't know if she was swimming in the right direction. They didn't have a compass. They didn't have anything to tell her which way to swim. She stops. She asks the boat driver. She says, am I going the right direction? He shrugs his shoulder and says, I have no idea. So she keeps swimming, but as she's swimming, she begins to hear some doubts in her mind, like, what if I'm swimming the wrong way? Maybe I'm heading out to the ocean instead of the, the right direction of the land. What if I'm swimming backwards and, I'm, and when I'm supposed to go in the wrong way? And fear crept into her mind. And as she was swimming with these doubts in her mind, she got tired and more tired until finally she couldn't take it anymore, and she stopped swimming, and she told the guy to come over and pick her up. So the boat picks her up, and they went forward just a little bit, still in the fog, and only a few miles they, dr they drive in the boat, and there's the land. The whole time she was heading in the right direction, but this doubt and this fear and these questions that filled her mind made her weary, and she couldn't go any farther. She had to stop. 
And we need to keep going. We can't be like that woman who allows the, the fog of uncertainty, who allows the disappointments of life, who allows the things that we think should go this way, but they're not. We can't let that stop us from doing what God's asked us to do. We need to keep going. My favorite scripture verse, and I quote it often when I'm mothering, is Galatians 6, 9. And it says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. You know, God doesn't always heal. He doesn't always say yes. He always answers, but he doesn't always say yes. He doesn't always give us what we want. And yet we have been called to be faithful. We have been called to remain true to the Savior. And this is truly the test of our faith. It's easy to follow Christ when things are going our way, when he's doing what, he want, what we want him to do. It's a lot harder to follow Christ and say, yes, I'll be faithful when I'm disappointed. And the fog of life begins to cloud our vision. But Elizabeth, she was faithful. And the final mother we're going to look at today is Lois. Now here's a question. Who is her child? This was a trick one. Oh, even, you don't even know, come on. I'm looking at my husband, just so you all know. <laughs> don't be offended. Well, it's a trick. She was the mother of Eunice, who was the mother of Timothy. So Lois was the grandmother of Timothy. Second Timothy 1.5. There's really not a lot of verses in the Bible about them, so it's okay that you don't know. Don't worry. Your Sunday school teacher probably didn't go over that one. So 2 Timothy 1.5. That's all it is. One verse. It says, I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am now persuaded lives in you also. Lois means mammy. Did you know that, Lois? means mammy. She was, she was the mummy of the faith. She lived in a town called Lystra. It was a Greek town. She was a Gentile. And we're told that she taught her daughter, Eunice, the way of the Old Testament. Eunice means conquering well, which is really cool when you think about it, because she indeed conquered the task of passing on the, fa the faith passing on the message of the gospel to her son, Timothy. If we are going to be successful as mothers, if we are going to be successful as Christians, as believers, we need to get what these two women did. We need to learn how to pass on our faith. If we don't pass on our faith, then, then what's the point? We've been given this wonderful gift of eternal life, and heaven and hell lies in the balance we need to make sure that we pass it on. We need to make sure that we give the truth of who Christ is, who the, what the scriptures say to those we come in contact with. You know, growing up, I didn't have a lot of stuff. I didn't have a lot of uh, cool things. My mom and dad had to work really hard. We grew up on a dairy farm, and my mom actually worked, well, my dad did too, but because it's Mother's Day, I'm focusing on her, okay? So if you notice, if when he comes next, don't say anything about this. My mother worked hard on the farm, but she also had to work out of, out of home, and she had to work in a nursing home. And like I said, I didn't get the nicest toys or the coolest, coolest clothes or the choicest foods. 
But what my mother gave me, I would never trade. Never. She taught me to love God. She taught me to read my Bible. I remember seeing her on the kitchen table when I woke up. Well, after I came in from the barn, she was there and she's reading the Bible. She taught me to pray. She taught me to love church. I remember one time when I was a kid, I wanted to go to church so bad, but I had the flu. My mom actually had to force me to stay home because she just put such an importance on coming to church and worshiping God with believers. You know, the other stuff really doesn't matter. I would never trade that for anything else. The only thing that makes a difference in my life is the relationship I have with Christ. My mother, she, could, she did give me other things, but if, if she didn't pass on the faith that I have in Christ, I would be lost forever. And I am so grateful. She wasn't perfect. Of course she wasn't. Which should give us hope because I know nobody in this room is either. She made mistakes. I remember them too. But she showed me faith. She showed me Jesus. She made it easy for me to follow Christ. She did her job. And then I was left with the choice, am I going to follow or am I going to go my own path? Church, it's not someone else's job. It is not the church's job to reach your child for Christ. It's not the church's job to reach your neighbor for Christ or your coworker for the kingdom of God. Now, the church can be an aid, and we're supposed to be that aid. But it was never meant to be the primary evangelistic tool used for saving souls. You know what it was? It was you and me. It was you saying to your friend, hey, how's it going? I'm praying for you. It was you saying to your child, let's go to church because it's important. It's my job to pass on my faith. It's your job to pass on your faith. And these Greek women, they got it. They did such an an amazing job, such an important job and fantastic effort that the Apostle Paul actually mentions them in a time when women meant nothing, in a time when women weren't even allowed to speak in church. Paul mentions these two women because of their effort to pass on the faith. Mark 16, 15 makes it clear. He says, when Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation, we need to use whatever we have been given to tell others about Jesus. If you're a parent here today, it's your job, it's my job, to pass on our faith to our children. It is my job to reach my neighbors. How can I expect you to reach my neighbors? It's my job. It's your job. Again, we're here to help each other. We're here to encourage each other. We're here to share the load. But let's just take responsibility and let's just do it. Lois and Eunice did it. And may we strive to tell others about the gospel of Christ. So here's just a few people, a few women on the hall of the wall of fame for mothers in the Bible. And you can look up more. There's there's lots more. And I encourage you to look them up, especially if you're looking for answers as a mom. We have Jacobed, the mother who had faith in her God, in her God, sorry, regardless of circumstance. 
We have Hannah, the mother who prayed to her God. We had Mary, the mother who said yes to her God. We have Elizabeth, the mother who was faithful to her God. And we have Lois and Eunice, the mother who passed on their faith to their God, of their God to their children. So what kind of mother are you going to be? What kind of believer are we going to be? Let's strive to be like these women. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you love us. And God, I just, I just want to pray, especially today, for the, the mothers and the women in this place, because it is Mother's Day. Lord, I thank you that you love them and that you have given them the children that they need and that you have given them the tools that they need to raise these children in the way that you have wanted them to be raised. God, I thank you that you haven't left us alone. And if there's a mom here today or a woman or anyone here today who is feeling discouraged because they have failed again, I pray, Lord God, that they would leave this place with renewed passion and hope, knowing that you are with them, knowing that you have forgiven them. God, may we strive to become like you. May we have faith that will never shatter. May we have hope in you. May we bring our requests to you. May we say yes and be faithful to you. God, may we share who you are with others, not hoarding it to ourselves, but giving it freely. I just pray that you would be with us this day, that, Lord, you would give us a good day, Lord, with our families, and that you would give us opportunity to share the truth of who you are and that we would look for it. So, church, today we have a small gift, and the ushers are going to get ready, and they're going to hand them out to the women. Even if you're not a mom, please take one. We, we bless you. And uh, for being here today. And I was trying to, you know, I was trying to come up with some great way to tie this in. It's pretty hard. But, you know, sometimes when you talk, this is what I got up, came up with, so you have to bear with me. It's kind of cheesy. But, you know, when you talk a lot about, when you're talking a lot, sometimes your lips get dry. And so you're going to go out and you're going to talk about Jesus you're going to tell others about him. You're going to tell your children, your friends, your neighbors about Jesus, and your lips are going to get dry. So you're going to need this. And you're going to put it on, and you're going to, you're going to think, who can I tell about Jesus today? So I encourage you to do that. Be blessed. If you need prayer today, I'd love to pray with you. Don't leave discouraged. So if you're feeling discouraged, don't leave, because that's not how God wants you to leave. He wants you to leave changed. The discouragement is from the other guy. He wants you to leave encouraged because that's who God is. So be blessed. Have a wonderful day. If you've forgotten that it's Mother's Day, you have no excuse, dads. You better go out.
and get something. Because even if they say they don't want it, they want it. Okay? They want it. Lord bless you. See you next week.